Good morning, welcome to Football and Annual Podcast number 36, live from Amsterdam. And joining me in this wonderful city that I call home on this very special pod and location is Michael Statham. Good morning, Michael. Morning, how are you? Very well, thank you. Welcome, welcome. And welcome for your second, uh, po- uh, third pod here on location, because we also had a location pod in The Hague not so long ago last season. So nice, nice for you to be back. Yeah, I'm loving it. Um, the weather's not the best at the moment. <laughs> he brought the weather with him, uh, listeners. From the UK. Uh, yeah, so we've got loads to talk about, haven't we, again? Yeah. Um, as usual. And I think our main topics this week are going to be covering the Champions League. Yeah. The great news for Dutch clubs in Europe. Yeah. PSV and Ajax getting wins. Um, yeah. The Netherlands, the squad's out for the games against Peru and France. And we've got loads more questions in as well. It's going to be another good podcast. Um, it certainly will be. So let's start in chronological order. This week we've had wins for PSV and Ajax in the Champions League. If both make it to the group stage of the Champions League, it's going to be terrific for the Dutch coefficient, yep. massive for the ramifications of the mm-hmm. future of Dutch football. Yep. Um, and yeah, so PSV beat Barte Borisov from Belarus 3-2. Did you see the game? Um, I saw the highlights of the match. I saw the and, match. Uh, I saw that uh, Van Bommel was very pleased that he spoke beforehand about Barty Borisov being a a competent team that have played more regular Champions League football than what PSV have done in recent years. Um, I think it's a good result. It's a well-timed shot in the arm that both uh, Dutch clubs have managed to uh, to get positive results. I think the second leg will be slightly easier for Ajax and PSV. I know that PSV are playing at home, but it's the uh, it's the two goals that Barty uh, Borisov have. I'm still confident that both will make it to the group, st- uh, group stage. I think it will be a very timely boost. And as you rightly say, the ramification is going forward in terms of um, FIFA qualifying rounds for other mm. European duck sides. Yeah, the, if, if we are going to talk about the ramifications, um, some people tend to ask about the, the coefficient. Just quickly, um, the Netherlands are currently sitting 13th in the league rankings. And it's important that they reach either the top 10 or 11th in the mm. league rankings as the best leagues in Europe. Um, decide the Champions League Europe League places. If they reach 11th, they get the automatic place back. Mm-hmm. Um, usually it's top 10, but the winner is usually one of the top 10 leagues, so it opens up 11th place. Yeah. Um, top 12 helps for Europe, Europa League qualifying rounds as well. Mm-hmm. So we're hoping that they have a good season. Um, and PSV played a very good game. Herving Lazzano was terrific. Yeah. Um, we're seeing some good quality play from PSV again, but they had an awful beginning to the game. Yeah, it's, awful defending. It's, um, I've been saying for years that the gap between seasoned European clubs and smaller European clubs is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. If you go through the Champions League quali- uh, qualifying results and the Europa League qualifying results with a fine tooth comb, you will see uh, teams that you haven't necessarily heard before, uh, specifically away victories for smaller teams. And that comes due to the uh, professionalism of the league and the ramifications of uh, determinations and the heart and the fight because these smaller teams that are playing European football, they want to represent their country, not just themselves, not just their team. They're not thinking about you know, the, the fatigue of, of Thursday to Sunday. They're thinking about the opportunity to play in Europe for the first time, in some cases ever. And they want to take that opportunity to the best of their ability and show what their team and their club is all about. Do you not think, though, that it's almost a bit embarrassing that teams like PSV could be turned over? I mean, we saw it with RZ and Feyenoord getting beaten by much smaller teams with much less money, and that's the key thing. If you're going to spend money, you're, you've got to be a stronger team, and then you have to win these games. There's almost no excuse, do you not think? Uh, I think you make some valid points, but you've got to be selective in terms of what you're spending your money on. I mean, I know this is a pod about Dutch football, but just to give you an example of the Premier League, if you think of 
how many Premier League teams have spent astronomical amounts of money, but yet three of them are still going to get relegated come the end of the season. Yeah. Okay. The, the quality did tell in the end. Um, PSV, you know, they they tired Partey out and um, got the goals that that they needed for the away win. Um, mm. So that was one win, and I think they should see it out in the return leg. As for Ajax, they blew Dinamo Kiev away 3-1, and it wasn't as convincing, of course, as the standard Liège 3-0. Kiev are another level up from that, uh, a very good team, but arguably not as strong as they were 45 years ago. Um, but then again, Ajax are also stronger than the team that were there 45 years ago. Yeah. We're actually sitting right next to the stadium. We can see it here. We're going to be watching the Evan game later. Um, yeah. So, Ajax, what did you think of the win? Uh, very good win. Uh, the most pleasing thing for me was Michael is having been to previous European games in recent years against Nice and Rosenborg in particular last season is that they've learned from that experience. For example, the match against Nice at home. Nice were fantastic and looked great and Ajax were, were keeping them at arm's length and then the away goal, second away goal came and it changed the complexity of the match. But Ajax appeared to have learned in a mature sense in terms of, in terms of seeing out game, games and game management. And that's a, a fantastic um, mm. attitude to have going forward because the Champions League people will, 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 should they reach the Champions League people will rightly write them off. But again, you just don't know, do you? The, 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 you saw the images of the supporters before the Dinamo Kiev game where they were all where we are now. This uh, area was packed. Mm. Supporters letting off flares and going bananas because yeah, they loved it. it's pride. Yeah. It's pr and also as well, I wonder if, if a team, you know, there's certain destinations in Europe like a Milan, like an Amsterdam, like a Lisbon, where if you're lucky enough to be a professional footballer and you're going to play football in those wonderful stadiums in here in uh, Jan Kalaifere, you know, uh, San Siro and, um, uh, and Serie de Luz, when you're playing in those wonderful stadiums, it must give you a massive, uh, uh, a massive thrill even for an opponent to know that for Benfica going away to Ajax or even into Milan. I remember when they came here in 2006 with Figo and Cambiasso and it was a wonderful 2-2 game where Ajax just blew them away in the first 30 minutes and uh, with home advantage they can make life difficult uh, yeah. for many a European team. The same goes for PSV too. Yeah, certainly the same can be said for me as well. Ajax have certainly matured with the way that they're seeing out the games. It's far better than it has been but then at the same time they did say that in the away match um, against Kiev they're not going to be sitting back because that's not the way they play and that is such a good philosophy to have but at the same time they need to be sensible in this away leg to make sure they get it through to the Champions League group stage but they're going to do it their own way. Mm. I think so, This, you know Europe represents massive pride I mean we're sitting outside the stadium of a club which has won the Champions League four times and you can't erase history People talk about big clubs in this day and age and, and you know what constitutes a big club. History plays a massive part in that. And you know, I actually are the biggest club in the Netherlands, you know, one in four Dutch people are, are four, uh, supporters of Ajax. And um, you know, it's just um, a, a great club and uh, they'll be um, they'll be really looking forward to the second leg in Kiev. For sure. Last time we didn't get to Gareth's question, but this week we're gonna start off with one of his questions that he sent in on Twitter. Could the signing of Dusan Tadic and keeping hold of Hakim Ziyech be the difference between a successful season or an indifferent season for Ajax, both in the Eredivisie and Europe? Their midweek performance against Kiev suggests that that to me. Yeah, I think he's absolutely right. Um, I think it's um, I think it's a, a shot in the arm. I think it's wonderful for Tadic 
he's chosen to leave the Premier League because I think he would have been confronted with uh, 20-minute cameos and potentially fighting relegation. And now he's on the verge of playing Champions League football. And I was here for the game against Sturm Graz where he um, made his debut and the, the crowd really got behind them. Same for Daley Blind as well. And um, again, for him as well, you know, it's a, I think for him it's the little things. You know, it's being able to represent his country in Serbia. It's being able to play Champions League football. He's a very smart individual. And, um, you know, it's, a, it's, it's nice to see players leaving the Premier League for the Eredivisie. It doesn't happen very often. I yeah. think we'll see it happening more often as time goes on because I think Premier League clubs are in the business of mo at the moment of stockpiling players. And, and, and of course, and you can't do that. not players <coughs> that are 35 as well and seeing out the career. Exactly. It's 28 and 29, that's exactly. a terrific age to be coming back to Absolutely. the Eredivisie. It sends out a good message. It certainly does. Especially to those younger AX players, just Matt Isterlicht. Yeah, absolutely. I can stay at this club and I can... I can get better, I can improve, I can play massive games. Well, the list is now captain and what a, what a responsibility for, so, so for someone so young. Mm. You would hope that with the responsibility given to him and the maturity he's shown when speaking to the Dutch media in particular, that he's not going to leave at the first, uh, for the first club that comes in. I hope personally, if he does eventually leave, that he goes to Bayern Munich because I think Bayern Munich would look after him. I don't necessarily think that other big hitters in world football would look after him. Uh, if you look at the way Bayern Munich looked after Robin through the years and how long he's played for Bayern Munich and the, what he's given to them and what uh, Bayern Munich has given to Robin, if De Ligt was to use that as a template for him going forward in his career in future seasons, I think, I think that would be very wise indeed. Great. Uh, we had another question to do with Ajax before we move on um, and we'd just like a quick injury update. Um, Cam would like to know what's up with Dolberg, Nedesh, Cherny and Sinkhaven. Some of it, some of the players haven't quite been as, um, there haven't, haven't been many updates about how they're getting on really. Um, so I just thought we'd share a little bit of news on that. Uh, ne David Nedesh first of all could be back next week. Mm. Um, Vaclav Cherny's going to be back after the winter break. Sinkhaven's unknown yeah. at the moment. He's been out for ages, hasn't he? Yeah. Um, Veltman's going to be back after the winter break. Same for Hassan Bande and Dolberg is touch and go. Yeah. I think it's we're not sure at the moment when it's going to be back. Yeah, well, he also had that injury last season which kept him out for three months. Yeah. And also, I, as I've stated before on the podcast, I think if your deadline day moves to uh, moves to Mon potentially to Monaco falls through, I think that does something to you as a player in terms of, yeah. although, although you might be really happy, uh, the progress he could have made at a club like Monaco. And I, I've been a fan of Monaco for years. People associate them with just money. But if you look at their philosophy and their buying policy, many many clubs could, could learn from it because it's just so refreshing and just so careful and just uh, so also very simple I think it's um, something that needs to be lauded okay uh, we've talked about the Dutch teams in Europe for this week let's move on to talk about the Netherlands so uh, the one of the hot topics for Dutch football fans at the moment is the squads out mm. for the first matches of the season for the yeah. national team how exciting we got it back yeah. Uh, and the big news is that Frank de Jong's got his call up. Mm. What do you think? Do you think he should be in the squad? Uh, the the main squad? Yes. No. And and starting a match as well? No. No? No. I think it's quite apparent and a very good decision that he's in the preliminary squad to give me to give him a taste of what's to come. I think it's a very sensible decision from Koeman. But I think to put him in the main squad for these games, uh, I'm not entirely sure. Um, I have stated before about how apparent and how consistent Brian Linson is. Brian Linson has been consistent for the last three or four years and he's so decisive in terms of chipping in with goals 
but I would, if I was Koeman, I would look to cap Brian Linson before I cap Flinky de Jong. Mm-hmm. Um, with Linson as well, I've followed him since his Vevefe Venlo days. He's um, a tremendous player, and you see how he's gone from Vevefe, um, Groningen, Heracles, um, making a step up all the time. And um, I think it would send out a huge message if players, also as Dumfries as well, he's had a fantastic start to the season. Kuma would be wise to mix it up to give the domestic players here also a sign that um, they are in the frame for eventual call-ups. Frankie de Jong is a tremendous player and uh, he will go on to have a, a very fine career. I mean, there's already overtures from Barcelona. He was quite um, he was quite quiet when being questioned by the um, by the Dutch media, but you know he's still very young. He's got a fantastic future ahead of him. If he doesn't get capped in these two games, it's not the end of the world. The cap will come sooner rather than later. I just look from a point of view in the case of Brian Linton, where he's been so consistent for so so long that people think, oh, because he plays for Vitesse, uh, he can't be capped. He should be capped. I really hope that this season, 2018-2019, we see him capped at some point. I, I can see your argument. I'm going to give it from both sides. If you've got the likes, though, of Ryan Barbel, Burkhouse, Stephen Burkwein, Depay, Elia, Klaavert, Promes, they're all wingers that, that could, could be viewed as um, a better player than, than Linton because of where they've been playing. But uh, again, people also say that Linton's perhaps the, one of the best right wingers in the Netherlands mm. playing in there at the moment. And Stephen Burkhouse has had an um, off the boil start to the season yeah. he hasn't been at his best mm. but obviously last season his goals and assists were very good I can see the argument for Linson as for Frank de Jong in my opinion I think he should be in the squad and he mm. should be starting that friendly against Peru yeah. because he's playing with Wesley Schneider it's going to be the last chance he gets to play with Schneider as well um, the first and last because it's Schneider's farewell appearance against Peru yeah, but the game against France perhaps comes too early yeah. that friendly I think De needs to start and get that taste but that friendly is, is, is not just a farewell game for Schneider Koeman wants to use it to the best of his ability because he's got to mould a, a team which is competitive I also think it's very um, very telling that the Carver Bay have chosen to move the destination of the, fr- uh, of the match against France in November from Amsterdam to Rotterdam our colleague uh, Michael Bell, who often stated in previous pods that he would like to see that happen more often, I think he, that was a fantastic point from Michael. And I think the kind of way if he did that, because you'll get the uh, atmosphere of the Galp, uh, and that might help them to eke out a positive result against the world champions in November. Yeah, it's going to be some good games coming up for, for the Nations League. Uh, a question from Hamza. Do you think it's time for Nathan Ake to be a starter in the back three for Netherlands? Because they tend to play a back three, three yeah. centre-backs. Is it time for Ake to be part of that? And perhaps, he said, ahead of Daly Blint. Uh, I think he's got a very good point. I think Ake also scoring in the previous uh, previous international match. It was a fantastic header, header as well against the Italians. And uh, he's, um, he's done very well. You know, Bournemouth are, are always um, punching above their weight and he's took to Premier League football like a duck to water. I see no reason why he shouldn't be starting in future um, in future internationals. I think if he was to get a transfer to, uh, with all due respect, a bigger club, I think he'd be more in the frame to start more regularly for the Dutch national team, to be honest. Arguably the same goes for Patrick Van Aanholt in that respect too, because he's one of the finest left-backs in the Premier he's League. He's had a wonderful, wonderful start to the season. I think he's been... I think people are rightly very, very positive about Crystal Palace. Mm. I remember speaking to former Ajax player Damien Hussen about his time at Fulham when he played under Roy Hodgson. 
and he said about um, how much he believes in young players and I think in the case of Hodgson showing the belief he showed in Husson many years ago by also telling him to go on loan to a Finnish club to get experience I think Hodgson's man management ability is now rubbing off on Van Arnholt and Crystal Palace in general. I'd just like to talk quickly about Matt Eisterlitz. Um He's one that gets covered a lot on our website, yeah. but I think it's a good, good to put out there that, you know, for the Netherlands, if he starts alongside um, Virgil van Dijk, yeah. he's almost a shoo-in already at centre-back. You know, think back to that horrendous day he had against Bulgaria, where he yeah. should never have played. No. They lost 2-0. He, his mistakes cost them the game. Yeah. Um, and then a year, I looked this up, exactly a year later, he played that friendly against Portugal where yeah. they won 3-0. He marked Cristiano Ronaldo mm. out of that game, a world-class performance. Yeah. How much has he come on, you know, in that short a space of time? I fully agree, Michael, but also sort of maturity. When you, when you oh. listen to him speak to the Dutch media, you wouldn't think that this is a, man, this is a boy of 19. Mm. Even in terms, just turned 19 even as in, well. Yeah, even in terms of his, his, his vocabulary and what he's actually saying. You would expect this to come from a, a player who's been playing football for maybe 10 to 12 years, never mind someone who's been playing yeah. for only two. I think I agree with you on the Bulgaria one, especially away from home. I think it's very telling that when you start a particularly young player in international, it's always best to give them the home uh, debut and then take it from there. I, I think you've either got to be brave, or in some cases mm. a little bit stupid, to select someone that young for an away fixture. Which and such a key crucial qualifier, key crucial, not even a friendly. Exactly. When, when that draw was made, that was the first thing that stuck out to me, was the difficult away days in Paris, Solna and Sofia. And um, yeah, that's a similar to the European games really, where you've got to, um, you've got to really accept countries and, and European teams for what they are. But he's come on so well, it would just be such a shame if he does continue to do so well. His choice for his next club in the next two or three seasons will be, I know it might sound obvious, but it's the most important choice of his career. And I hope that he chooses a, a Bayern Munich yeah. uh, that will look after him. And then once he's had that, then he can go into maybe uh, perhaps another league and shine even more. Agreed. Another question from Jordan, bringing us back to Daily Blint. He wants to know what his best position is. Who do you, where do you think Blint should play? He's, he thinks he should play central defensive midfield. I don't think he has a pace to play left back or centre back. Um, he has had his moments at left back. I mean, you look at the World Cup. Good or bad? Uh, mixture. <laughs> uh, but you I mean that cross he gave for Van Persie in 2014? Well, we'll was, never uh, forget it. One of the most was, famous that goals was ever. Fantastic. That was, and he's very much a confidence player. I mean, you saw coming back here. He was like kid at Christmas mm. when he was speaking to Dutch media by saying, "I'm so happy to be back. It's so wonderful to be back." It shows shows what how quickly things can go in football i remember when i first moved to this country and he was put on loan to Groningen, and uh, there was question marks about him yeah and, and then he uh, played for ajax as well and even more questions United. so yeah. it just goes to show you, you never know what's going to happen in football and uh, you know just uh, just enjoy it for what it is and um, but you can you can see um fruits of the of the labor of kuman coming in slowly but surely but surely and due to the, uh, as listeners will know, the, uh, the messiness behind the scenes, you know, this was always going to be a long old road and we, we will get back there and that will be the combination of playing in a major tournament again, fingers crossed Euro 2020, but it's a long old road and uh, we're finally starting to see shoots of that. Yeah. Uh, as for Blint, he's playing at centre-back for Ajax now and Andre Anana, the Ajax goalkeeper, praised him for his distribution yeah. from centre-back and he, he said he takes no risks yeah. and that's positive to hear. Uh, but as for left back, I don't think he can play 
in that position no, much more. A centre back is perhaps his best position playing for Ajax. I'm not sure about the Netherlands because he lacks it in the air. And aerial duels, they know to put the big tall striker up against Dave Blint because he loses a lot of aerial duels. And I'm just, it's unsure actually, isn't it, where he should play really because he's a, a good player, but where yeah. is the best position he, for Koeman's team? He's an old fashioned utility player. Just to give some information, we're talking about transfers. Earlier this week, I read that Olympic Marseille were in for Onana. And um, mm. I think that's a, arguably the biggest club in France. So that wouldn't be a bad move for him. I read this morning reports on local media that, that the family of Herving Lozano has stated that he will stay in the Netherlands for one more year. So yeah. it's looking likely that next summer will be uh, his move. Um, I think that's a good move for PSV. That's a good move for him. And it'll uh, be interesting to see what happens. Indeed. As for the striking ops and options for Netherlands, we've talked about the defensive options. Uh, calls this week that you know Luke de Jong's back in the squad, the PSV striker. He he's often comes in for a lot of criticism when he mm. gets gets play for the Netherlands. Um, him and Vekhorst though are the only two recognised strikers mm. in the squad. Are they there to be uh, lynch lynch linchpins, uh, the big tall hitters if they're losing a game and to be brought off the bench? Or are these guys really going to be starting and a player's going to be around them? How do you think Koeman's going to use these, these strikers, um, if think, at all? I think he may well use the first option, perhaps. I think with Verhorst as well, he's just recently secured a transfer to Wolfsburg. When you come into a new environment, a new dressing room, you've got to take time to adapt. So I think he will, uh, I'm sure he's getting on very well, but I think he will enjoy coming back to a dressing room that he knows, uh, to an international setup that he knows. And I think um, I think we'll see him be a, perhaps a little bit more looser. You know, he's made tremendous strides from his days at Heathcliff when people questioned what he could actually do. You know, he was like a, a glorified battering ram in some cases. Mm. He was linked with Cardiff City when he was at Heathcliff, done so well at RZ, and has now secured a, a transfer to a very good Bundesliga side who were almost relegated last season but managed mm. to escape in the German relegation playoffs. And at the age of 26 as well, yeah, a good age making that well. move. A, good, a, good age, a little bit later than you'd expect. But it's still a decent move. You but know, a very good move. Joshua Bernet is also signed for Hoffenheim. Mm. We see uh, more uh, Dutch players going to Germany. But I, Absolutely. For me, it's just my opinion, Michael. Every single professional player, regardless of level, you must always... I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's always a, a bit of luck uh, involved, but you must always look very carefully at your options and try to decide what's best for you. If you look at the players that have done that, especially abroad, they've all had fine careers and that's no coincidence. Question for you, James. How do you think the Netherlands are going to beat France in the Na Nations League um, qualifier? Uh, qualifier? Group stage match. Uh, it's going to be difficult to beat them. They're the world champions. Mm. How does Koeman go about it? Is he going to rely on Memphis Depay to bring that bit of magic? Could do. My, uh, if I was up against Didier Deschamps in the world champions, uh, might be a bit negative, and obviously I'm not negative in terms of playing style, but I would go even in Rotterdam to go up 5 4 1. Because if you, get, if, you come, if you have a nil nil draw or you don't get beat by the world champions, that can be considered a good result. If you look what happened when they went to Paris in the World Cup qualifiers, they got beat 4 0. Mm. This is a French side with so much movement. I was fortunate enough to be in the uh, in Tallinn for the UEFA Cup Super Final, and I watched Griezmann, and I'm just in awe of that player. He's just absolutely tremendous. When he hasn't got the ball, not just in terms of verbal communication, but also gesticulating to his players where he's going to run. And if you look at the space he runs into, it could be a sprint of five yards, eight yards, could be a check back. The so man, how do a Dutch deal with that? The man has a brain. 
the man has a brain and he uses it at every given opportunity. I think that um, obviously France have 11 players, but Griezmann is is so is, is so important to them that they've got to look to have. If you have a five-man defence, you can at least have two that keep an eye on him. Mm. Keep an eye on him solidly because he can get away from someone, draw a free kick. It's not just him as well, though. You've got Mbappe in the exactly. wing. Exactly, exactly. Mbappe. You've got uh, Pogba and uh, Kanté, who never ever stops running. This is a golden age for France, and um, yeah, sometimes you, you just got to come up against a, a better team. And people might say that five-four-one is negative, but you've got they've got to they've got to keep a, a handle somewhere because you're facing the two previous world champions in a, in a qualifying nations group and uh, you know it's going to be a tough ask but if you can pick up points at home even if it's just one point and you don't lose it will show signs of progress. Are you already looking for Koeman to hope that it's a bit of an off day for France? Possibly but it, I think there's so much togetherness in that squad you know you see the fun with uh, you see the fun of um, the, the set up when they come together you know all that fun and the videos on social media where they're just in fits of laughter I was fortunate enough to be in the Europa League final in Lyon between Atletico and Marseille and when Marseille got uh, and when Dimitri Payet got injured and was subbed off the man was in tears it wasn't just in tears because he bows out of a European final he was also in tears because he knows he's going to miss the World Cup with his country which has got a fantastic chance of winning it which they did so that's uh, coming up for the next couple of weeks in Evelyn's fixtures and we look forward to watching those. Yeah. I'd like to finish this week's podcast with a couple of questions yeah. that aren't necessary to do with the things we've been talking about today. Yeah. And the first one's from Jordan. And Do you think Sparta Rotterdam can achieve promotion from the Erste Divisie to the Eredivisie? They've brought in lots of players and have a good manager in Henk Fraser. Yeah. Uh, that's a very good question. I will always tip my hat to good questions that come in and we appreciate them all. Um, they have brought many players including the former Den Haag player Edouard Dublin who I interviewed for Football Anja last uh, April before last. Uh, Henk Fraser does have experience but it's a tough league. This year it's a very tough mm. league with uh, NSA Nijmegen, FC Twente, RKC Walweg, Rode ESA with Molinar who I also interviewed and um, uh, also and young guy it's can't yeah, get promoted yeah. but they're also Kambu a tough Leirarden team as well. it's a mm. real slog it's yeah. a real real slog they have a chance but I think it's a bit too early to um, to say about a championship if I was to say one team who we haven't mentioned in that uh, in that row of teams that I think are going to do very well go ahead Eagles and uh, John Stegman yeah. I think he's a very underrated manager he used to play for go ahead people uh, criticised him in some quarters for uh, taking a step back but he's taking a step back because he wants to achieve with that club and I think he will. Yeah, I, I personally don't think Hent Fraser has um, had, had a great start to management with Vitesse. Yeah. He's really got to turn it on with Sparta. I think there's yeah. a bit of pressure there actually yeah, to get it right. It's a long old season. I mean, they, they recently had uh, Dick Advocat who wanted to save them. They had uh, mm. Alex Pastor before that who was getting a little bit ahead, too much ahead of himself. But yeah, it's a long old season, you know, and uh, I would say that go and ahead. And Royston Genta's back as well. Yeah. <laughs> they are the oldest club in the Netherlands and they are highly respected. Every time they get promoted to the area of the there's always media attention on them. Stadium, yeah. The stadium is a lovely stadium. It's a club which means a lot to many Dutch football fans, even if they're not a fan of Sparta. Yeah, everyone loves Sparta Rotterdam. There's no one that hates Sparta no, Rotterdam. Absolutely. Never a true word spoken. Okay, and, and the final question this week. What do you think of Nemanja Gudeli's move to Sporting Lisbon? Do you think he was appreciated at Ajax? Uh, in some quarters, yes and no. I think his move to China turned 
maybe a couple of people against him uh, you can understand why he went but I also think it, it, if you look in hindsight it's a uh, it's a very smart decision from him he's learned a lot he's earned a lot, lot of money in China and now he's arguably at one of the biggest clubs in sporting Lisbon yes they have problems with their uh, with their fans at the back end of last season but it's, it's a decent league tonight is actually sporting Lisbon uh, Benfica against sporting Lisbon in the study of the list so that will be interesting and uh, I've also been on the tour of the sporting Lisbon stadium in the past and it was uh, it's a lovely stadium and they're full of pride you know they uh, they have one of the uh, one of the sayings on the stands which is uh, translates into be proud of your own race meaning that their supporters group they see the view in terms of a race that they're so proud of and uh, it's a very very big club and a, a bit of a different club but uh, one that, one that uh, def definitely has something to offer. I think you can see through Gazelli's move back to Europe is that he's been sort of pushed out Gonzalo Grande um, because yeah. I think they had too many foreign players yeah. is what, what I could tell from the squad Maybe. and they don't like having too many foreign players but it's, so it's interesting to see players moving back to yeah. Europe and you have, you've seen it a few times now yeah. players moving back from China I think it was a bit of a flash in the pan that league I think it will start to the money's there but I don't think it's going to be what they want it no, to be I, I wonder as well I can understand in, 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 in Beijing and Shanghai you have time to enjoy the city and get uh, get into the swing of things but if you're playing China is a massive massive huge country but if you're playing in the middle of nowhere where you haven't necessarily got the infrastructure to go out yeah, and live huge the country, city, isn't it? To city life mm. like I mean maybe I'm a bit of an old romantic but if I had to choose a club uh, where you live is very important you know like I've, I've been living in Amsterdam for 12 years I, I don't want to leave this country in the city for love nor money but you never know what's going to happen in the future and um, should a club show overtures in a, in a press uh, in a press way of things I would have to take my time and have a think about it but I would still look at the club study the club and particularly the city where it is because it's very important you bring as much time uh, through off the pitch than on it and it's important to be happy both on the pitch and off the pitch as well uh, and I think as a final note to this week's podcast as, as we are live in Amsterdam it is a beautiful country to come visit and watch the football because it's yeah. the third time I've come and done it and it's amazing yeah it's uh, I've been fortunate enough to live a third of my life in this country and I'm just uh, this journey started for me with an, an Arsenal European away day in February 2003 I know a few and listeners uh, um, like like to listen to this podcast yeah. and have gone to us you know have you give us a bit of yeah. advice because we've been inspired what yeah. you, you know by, by our, what we do on our website yeah. and we want to come visit the country of the football now that's terrific to yeah, hear absolutely to anyone are, else yeah, absolutely we are open to helping any uh, football fan who wants to come and watch a, uh, a football game here you can follow michael on at um Eredivisie mike you can follow me on at james row and l and should you have any, any questions whoever silly you think they are just send them through and we'll try our best to help you yeah and same goes for any questions for future podcasts absolutely feel free to send them in and the recent ones we've got which have been a little bit off the cuff and different more of the same please we will look forward to the podcast in a couple of weeks we've also got a couple of match previews coming for the Netherlands matches in, an, in the next couple of weeks more on that when it comes thank you James you're more than welcome and uh, we're going to enjoy the match tonight